today we're going to be looking at Elkanah before we just read. And Elkanah is Samuel's father, uh, the prophet Samuel in the Bible. And what I know about this man is Elkanah was a, a good man and he was God's man. And that's what I want to say right at the outset, that he was a good man and he was God's man. But he did make poor decisions at times. And these poor decisions that he made, I believe, opened him up to demonic attack. And I want to bring that out to us today. That it opened his life up, if you like, that things came into his life that were not of God and they were not good for him and they were certainly were not good for his family. So our thought this morning is to be careful of what we let into our lives as Christians. Be, be careful. Maybe we need to be reminded of that today. Well, we are being reminded of that today. Be careful of what we let into our life uh, as Christians. And our title this morning is a, a Coldness of Heart That Attracts Strange Fire. A Coldness of Heart That Attracts Strange Fire. We can, by our actions, welcome the demonic into our life. And, and I don't think I've heard that said in many years. Uh, and I don't say it carelessly. I say it this morning with a man who wrestled with some of these thoughts this week, that, that there is things that we can open ourselves up to that aren't good for us. It doesn't stop us being a good man, a good woman of God. It doesn't mean God's hand isn't upon our lives and he can't use us. It means that as God's people, we can open our hearts open our lives up to things that, that God had not planned or ordained um, for us. Amen? So the world in which Elkanah lived was a wicked world. I want to say that. For, for your own context, Israel was, in, was at that point, I suppose, spiritually bankrupt. The very priesthood was corrupt. There, there was nowhere for you to go to seek God, if you like. To, to rub shoulders like we're doing this morning with men and women of God, it was corrupt. The word of God, we're told, was rare in the land. It was a time, um, if you like, where churches had become powerless. All right? So I'm setting the scene for you this morning. There was powerless preachers delivering powerless sermons. That's, that would be equivalent to our day, if you like. And God's people as a nation of Israel had become self-consumed. And we need to be careful of this in our own hearts. They become materialistic. And one of the biggest problems that Israel faced was this at the very beginning. The people were unmoved by the Word of God. It no longer convicted them. You see, it didn't challenge them anymore. It was just words. All the scene was a powerful, powerless preacher with a powerless sermon with no, no expectation for it ever to impact their lives. And hence the nation began to decline. And we're told about this decline in, in, in one sentence. The book of Judges says it was a time when Israel had no king. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Think of that. If it felt right and the people believed it was right for them individually, then they just did it. And, and what a picture of our world today. What a picture of our nation. Where men and women just do what they like. So the three Headings for you this morning for your notes is we're going to look at Elkanah's calling, Elkanah's coldness, and Elkanah's strange fire. That's the three points that I want to pull out this morning. So let us just read together verse 1 of 1 Samuel and, and chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man of Ramah of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, 
the son of Tohu, the son of Soph of Ephraim. Now, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. And each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. Now, the priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the day as Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and to each of her children. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and because the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 6. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And year after year it was the same. Think of that. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. And Elkanah would ask Hannah in verse 8, Why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? What a statement. So Elkanah's calling this morning. I want to just pull away things out that I hope will bless you and, and at times challenge you and and encourage you on in these days to go on with the Lord. Because each one of us has decisions to make. Who it is we serve, what it is we do, and, and what it is the decisions that we make ultimately come down to you and I individually. We're big enough and we're old enough to be accountable for our own actions. But there's many things in here that I want to pull out that will bless you. And verse 1, it says, and in some of your translations this morning, it says, there was a certain man named Elkanah, who lived in Ramah, it says in the hill country of Ephraim. Now, I looked into that to see what that was telling us. And, and all this really tells us is that Elkanah, in the eyes of the world, was nobody special, really. He was just a man from the hills of Ephraim. But he was God's man. And this sets the scene right at the very start for us. Because what this tells us is that the solution to the, the leadership crisis in Israel is not going to come through the expected places. It's not going to come through the prominent person, the renowned person, you know, them, them powerful people. It wasn't going to come through these sorts of people. It was going to come through an unlikely person. And you know, the wonderful thing is this, that many of us here today who are saved, who are called of God, are unlikely people. Is that fair to say? God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for Him, to glorify Him through us. And I hope that encourages you this morning in your walk. One commentator said this about the book of Samuel. It says, this book is about a God who makes something out of nothing, life out of death, rich out of poor, and somebody out of nobody. That's the God that we serve and, and preach about this morning. So Elkanah was an ordinary man, but he was also God's man, and that has to be said numerous times. See, the world says that only the noble people, only the powerful people in our land can really make a difference. And in fact, the difference they make, but it's not for the good. But, but this is a lie that, that holds men and women back from doing great things from God, for God. And I believe in this, that Elkanah had this mindset, if you like, he didn't believe that he could make a difference in the world. And it's what the Scriptures reveals to us about him. There was a certain man who was called of no real influence from the hills of Ephraim. Ephraim. 
You see, when God saved us, many of us didn't come from a place of significance. And so what happens to you and I is we, we carry that mindset into our calling. And we say to ourselves, how can God ever use me? Have you ever felt like that? For who am I in this big, vast world? How can I ever make a difference? And this might surprise some of you, I suspect it'll not, but just in case, God didn't call us because of our greatness. Is anybody surprised at that? He didn't call us because we were so mighty and powerful and renowned of ourselves. In fact, the Scripture would teach that He called us for the very opposite reasons. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. For not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. But not many of you were from noble birth. And he goes on to say what? But God chose the foolish things of the world. God chose the weak things of this world, the shame, the strong. He called the lowly, the despised, the things that are not, to nullify the things which are. Do you feel at home? Do you feel like you're worthy to serve the Lord with that calling? The called of God are often the lowly in society, but listen, not every person who's called of God is lowly. Consider Moses. Moses was taught, we're told, all the wisdom, all the knowledge of the Egyptians. He was both powerful in speech and a mighty, mighty man of action. Wonderful. See, God does call the noble, the powerful into the kingdom of God, but, but more often than not, he calls the weak and the ordinary person like, like you and I uh, this morning. Church, he has called you from the hills of Ephraim. Don't neglect your calling. Now listen, this is me speaking to you. What I feel the, word has, has me to, the Lord has me to say to you is for you this morning, don't neglect your calling because you feel you're of no significance. Shine where God has placed you and remember every day that you get up that you're called of God. So that's the first point. Elkanah's calling. He came from humble beginnings. Then I want to tap in briefly this morning to Elkanah's coldness. There is a coldness that can come upon us at times. And I think it's okay to say that because it's a reality. There is a coldness that can come upon you and I as believers. We live in a cold world regarding the things of God. But this coldness, if allowed into, the, into our lives to stay, it can open the door to strange fire. A strange fire comes in many, many, many different things. But the world in which Elkanah lived waxed cold his heart. And I want to show you this. I don't want to just say it. I want to show you this. If you're taking notes, First Chronicles chapter 6, and there we read the genealogy of the sons of Levi. First Chronicles 6. And in the verse 26, we, we see that Elkanah's name is found. And what this tells us is that Elkanah was a Levite by lineage. And the tribe of Levi, as many of you know, was called by God to be the Levitical priesthood over Israel. And this tells us something very important about this man. What does it tell us? It tells us that Elkanah was a priest. He wasn't just an ordinary man. He was called of God. Elkanah, Elkanah, Elkanah came from the tribe of the Kohathites. Now, who are they? Well, 
They were the guardians over the things of God. Now listen, this is what they were responsible for doing. Not primarily, but this was one of their main roles. They were responsible for leading Israel into the very presence of God. Think of that. Into the very presence of God. They made up the worship leaders. They were made up of musicians. They were, they were gatekeepers. They, they, they would have welcomed and they would have locked the door and opened the door. You see, it was, they were temple officials. They, they were actively ministering to the people. In a nutshell, they were a light among the people of Israel. And what we learn is that Elkanah was a priest, but I want you to hear this because it'll, it'll resonate with some of you this morning. He was a priest, but he wasn't functioning as a priest. He wasn't functioning. He was called of God, but for some reason he wasn't functioning as a priest. Now, I've searched, and I can't find the reason as to why. There's no recording of this man functioning in his calling. But all I can tell you this morning is this man was an ordinary man from the hills of Ephraim. He was called of God, and he had an anointing upon his life. But for some reason, he wasn't functioning in his calling. And I want to say this. There's, there's too many Christians today in, in this season, we're, we're in the end of the end, when, when the darkness is all around us, there's, it appears that there's so many Christians that don't seem to be functioning as Christians. And that's what was laid upon my heart to say. And, and, and as I thought about this, and I, what does this mean that we have Christians, but they're not functioning as Christians? And I struggled with that. Because being a Christian doesn't mean you're the loudest one in the room and everybody knows you're a Christian. There's some reverent, godly people that very rarely speak. And, and when we stand beside them in glory, the rewards to them is going to be mighty, you see. So it's not about our persona. It's something deeper than this, but but what I kept saying within my, my mind's eye was a Christian that isn't functioning, a Christian has lost their light. They're dim. They've lost their fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Just no, no desire. And the conversation's nothing but worldly. There's, there's no talk of Jesus coming out of their, their mouth anymore. Do you understand? Would that be fair? That, that's, what I, that's what I got anyway. That's what I sensed. We will know people who aren't functioning as Christians, who are Christians, when they just simply have lost their desire, lost their, their, their love, their first love, if you like. And what I see here is that Elkanah had forgotten his calling. And one of the greatest counselors counsel for a Christian is to forget, or to forget his purpose. And he was a Levite, and his calling was to lead the people into the very presence of God, that they may be restored and come to know the Lord. And is that not our calling? To, to invite people to the services, to, to tell people what Jesus has done for us, that, that we can usher them into the presence of God and let the Lord work. Is that not our calling as a, as a church? And some Christians have lost their purpose and they've forgotten their calling. And, and what I've noticed about these sorts of Christians is they're weighed down with the curse of the world. And, and church, you weren't saved out of the darkness into the wondrous light to be weighed down with the world. Sure we weren't. Please feel free to say, Amen, church. Feel free to speak. I'm speaking to you, and, and this word is speaking to me as much as it is to you. But do you remember when you first were saved? You just didn't care less about anything because the Lord had got on a hold of you. You see, when we lose that, all of a sudden we start to take grab things within this world. 
But I want to remind you because the scripture reminds us of our calling. And 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen people. That means you're not saved by chance this morning. You're not, you're not, you're not sitting here by chance. You're a royal priesthood. It means you too are a priest or a priestess, and you're each, each of us are in the ministry. We're a holy nation. We're God's special possession, that you may what? Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of this darkness into wonderful light. And here's the thing. The church that stops proclaiming and testifying what Christ has done for them, what he can do for others, is a church that has forgotten its calling and its purposes. Let us not live like that. We know that Elkanah was not functioning as a priest, but we also know that he was walking with the Lord, and you can read that for yourself in verse 3. And here's what I want to say. This man was in the faith, but he wasn't in the work. He was in the faith, but he wasn't in the work. There's a difference. Isn't it great to have our sister up this morning saying about the, the 316 thriving? And they've got a great team, but they need more. And I know last year there was well over 70 come, and if any more come, they had to turn them away. These are street kids. These are people that aren't taught the Word of God. Well, I can't say that for sure. But I know for one thing, it's not right. The gospel isn't being taught in a big way. But these children have been brought in, and the church and the people here, the people of this church, are, are bringing the Word of God to these children. And they're planting the seeds of hope in their hearts. Church, we need to be rejoicing about these things and, and realizing, well, this is what it is to be in the work. It's costly. It demands your time. Demand your efforts, demand your commitment, demand your honesty. Because we need to teach the word what the word says, not what we want it to say. And look, these are what's just one ministry of many that we are working at in this church. This man was in the faith, but he wasn't in the work. And I believe Elkanah had become discouraged by the sin that was all around him in his day. Because it can, it can discourage us. People just did what they believed was right in their own eyes. They, they just did whatever they wanted. And this has the power to wax cold the righteous heart. We must guard our hearts and minds against the great evils that we're witnessing today. Now, I want to share an article with you. And I had no end of resources that I could have brought you this morning to describe that our day is a day when people do whatever they want, whatever they think's right in their eyes. I had umpteenth resources. There was no shortage. So I've settled for an article that I just thought was absolute insanity. And it just shows you and the, the age in which we're living in. And this is your time to shine because it's not going to get any better, I don't believe. On the 28th of January this year, an article was written by the, the, the Mirror paper. Now this article was about a condemned killer and his name is Daniel Eastwood. And in 2004 he was imprisoned and he recently transitioned from a male to a female. Now, that in itself is men and women doing whatever they think is right in their own eyes. Right? It's, it's absolute insanity. But that's not the best bit. The last four years, um, he's been living as claiming to be a female. And lately, Sophie, who Daniel now calls himself, uh, has identified as a toddler. Now, this could be like a, a comic script, but this is reality. This is what is going on in our world. Now, listen. He has requested diapers to wear. He has demanded that his food, his food be pureed like that of baby food. 
He also demands that the guards hold his hands while he's being moved like a child from one place to another. Listen, it gets worse. This is not even it. The mirror reports that the prison bosses are taking Eastwood's request seriously and have already given him a dummy. Church, feel free to laugh, but this is total and utter madness. And this is insanity. But what you probably don't realize, this is coming from the top down. This isn't just some fool who's in an asylum. He's in with a counselor who's trying to be helped. This is somebody who the very top of our prison services, which goes to the top of our governments, are paying homage to. And they're feeding into this insanity. And I want to tell you what the root of this all is. It's demonic. If you want to know what demonic activity is, it's not some man or woman shaking in the corner. It's what you're witnessing in your TV, in your news, in your world around you. This stuff that's coming to our schools. And by the way, we've got the Christian Institute coming very shortly. And they're going to be informing us. They're now in Ireland. Thank God for them. And they're going to be teaching us and educating us on what's being brought into our schools. And we need to take a stand, church. And I want to say to you that we will be taking a stand. And we'll be, we'll be expecting the people of this church to stand with us. We're not going to just let this sort of nonsense be taught to our children. And, and I guess you've got a choice to make, haven't we? Are we going to be silent? Are we going to let them teach our kids that they can act like this? Are we going to stand against it and and we're choosing to to be heard as the people of God? But this is insanity and it's demonic. And we, like Elkanah, we live in a time of great demonic activity. And it's in this setting that that somewhere along the way, I believe Elkanah lost his fire for the Lord. And I believe there's people sitting here this morning and you've lost your fire for the Lord. And I believe it's because of all the coldness of this world. You look around you and you, you try to see God in it all and all you see is mess and chaos and brokenness. Maybe it's in your own life and, and you're thinking, I just, can't, I just can't find it within me to, to live for God and, and to be on fire for God. So I'll just keep my head down and even though I'm called of God, I'll, I'll just do my wee bits in the corner, you see. And, and listen, I've been tempted with these things. And it's in this setting that we need to understand that This world and this activity around us has the power to wax cold our hearts. We don't be careful. And somewhere along the way, this man, he stopped functioning as a priest. His heart waxed cold and he was robbed of his calling. I just want to say to you this morning, if, if you're in the faith, but you're not in the work, just ask yourself what's wrong. Ask yourself why. Ask yourself what is wrong. Really be honest with yourself. This is where I see Elkanah standing. A Levite. A man of God. When the, when, when the tabernacle was so corrupt, we'll be saying that in a few weeks' time, so corrupt, where was he? He was at home, hiding, not functioning, not shining. Not thinking he can't make a difference to the ungodly, corrupt system that he's surrounded in. That's a lie. We can make a difference, church. Let me say this. That that's the power of the demonic activity in the world. It, it seeks to silence us. It seeks to wake, weaken the local church and divide it. It makes our spirit weak. 
it can cause us just to hide away and to stop functioning. And Paul warns the church about this coldness that can so easily set in in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, brethren, stand firm. Listen to, listen to the terminology, stand firm. And if we believe this is the Word of God, this is the Lord Jesus speaking to us. My children, stand firm. Let nothing move you. <laughs> but Lord, do you not see the insanity that we've just spoke about, Lord? How can this not move me and affect my heart? How can I want to burn for Jesus and, and tell people about the need to be saved when, when the very people who are over us are, are condoning and encouraging this madness, you see? And, and, and Jesus says to the church, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves, listen, listen to this now, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We need to hear that. Because the enemy's told us that we can, it's okay to hide away. It's okay that we're a Christian and we're not functioning. But it's really not. It's what the Word says. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Every season. Young, middle-aged, old. All seasons of our life. And I hope you're being challenged by this. Because if you understood the challenge it was for me to come here with this this morning. Don't think for one minute I stand here arrogant and thinking that I'm above this. This this crucified my own flesh in many ways, and I thank God for it. Christian, don't be pushed back, but stand firm in your calling. Give yourselves fully to the service of the Lord, wherever that is and whatever that He has for you. Why would you not take it and walk in it, whatever that is and wherever you're placed? Be careful, church, of operating out of a cold heart. As a Christian, we've been there. A cold heart like Elkanah's will lead us to poor decisions. I want to leave that there now. Make sure we're in the work. That brings us to a place that I struggled to title, but I, I've called it Elkanah's Strange Fire because I looked at Elkanah's life and, and I noticed things about him that I thought were a bit strange, like, is it okay to have two wives? Was it okay that one wife totally derated the other wife? And I just thought this is normal, but... It was strange to me, and, and as I started looking into it, I thought, this is not of God. It's not the will of God. And for some of you, maybe we're going to have to rethink that story in, our, in your mind. Because we read it, and we think it's, it's, it's fine. Is it fine, or is it strange? Is it strange? You get to discern, I get to share with you, and you get to discern it this morning. Now, I want you to remember that Elkanah was a priest. He had two wives. And as I looked into this, what this has confirmed is that this man not only shrank back and, and wasn't functioning as, the, as, the, as a priest, but in fact, he actually conformed to the culture of his day. And that's what the historians teach us. Because in Israel, in them days, it became common practice for a man to take a second wife if there was something wrong with his wife. It wasn't just if she was barren. If there were some other things that he wasn't happy with, he could just um, change her over. Maybe some of you men think that would be great. Maybe some of you women think that would be great. But it's not the Lord's will from the very beginning. I'm sorry to inform you. There's no way out. Genesis 2 says this, A man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave on to his wife and they shall be one. From the very beginning, it was only meant to be husband and wife. When Elkanah's first wife, Hannah, is believed, was unable to conceive, we are told that Elkanah, in my words, gave way to strange fire that burned within him. Because what I will say is this, and, and I don't want to say it in a condemning way because it's, 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 to, it's, it's to show us what we ought not to do, but also what we should do. I didn't come across any mention of Elkanah praying and seeking the Lord like we're going to see his wife do next week. 
He was a man of God who wasn't functional, who had conformed to the carnal nature of his time and he had lost his desire to pray. He didn't believe that God could answer prayer anymore. And all we read is this, that he welcomed Penina into his home. And I want to just say this to you. Be careful what you let into your home. Be careful what you let into your life in these days. Because there's a void that can come with a cold heart. And that void becomes cold and, and, and it begins to attract strange things that promises to, to warm it. Now, there's certain fires in this world that promise to warm us outside of Christ. And these fires are nothing more than snares. And that will end up burning us and, and trapping us. Now, Elkanah invited Penina into his marriage. And this act brought untold hardships and sorrow into his home. Look with me in verse 6, please. Now, we can read over this and think this is normal, but it's not normal. On any level is this normal. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her. What sort of marriage is that? Verse 7, year after year it was the same. Taunted and mocking. Who's that remind you of? Who's the taunter? Who's the mocker? Who's the accuser of the brethren? Year after year it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. What I see is this, church. In this picture that I painted for you, and I know I had to rethink a lot of this, and what I see here with this woman, and it's not personal against this woman, but it's what's happened in the context. Penina has become an unwelcome thorn in the flesh for Hannah. Her presence was Elkanah's doing. It was his decisions that brought this torment into this home. And I just want to say, you know, what a responsibility we have as men and as, as priests to protect our home, to protect, protect our marriages, to protect our, 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 our church, our, our children, our, our, ch our children's educations. You know, have we got a responsibility as priests and priestess to say, hold on a minute, this is strange fire that's about to be taught to our children. This is strange fire that we've been told from our government that's acceptable. You know, and there's all these things, but I just want to push the responsibility as we start out in this new year that we have a responsibility as men and women of God. And I'm glad to hear it because that's our purpose. We're, we're Levites in the New Testament sense. Look at verse 8. Now, Elkanah says to his wife, Hannah, like, it's just a picture of a modern-day man that is so blinded in many ways. Look at what he says. Like, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? Now, this is the pinnacle for me. This is just sums up many, many, many people and their mindsets. You have me. Isn't that so much better than having 10 sons? I don't know what that tells you. That tells me that this man is completely deluded and he's lost all sense of reality. To say that to his wife, to do what he's done to his wife. Do you see the strange fire? It's no longer just a wee story where we think, all right, all right, all right. You have me. That statement alone tells us that there's a deep problem in the heart and in the life of Elkanah. The reason, if you're not sure that Hannah's in this state, is because of Elkanah's poor decisions as a priest. Poor decisions that you and I make will affect those who love us. 
It will, make no doubt about it, bring much sorrow and trouble to our homes. And here's the thing as I thought about this. If our hearts aren't burning after the Lord Jesus Christ, they will burn after the strange fires of this world. Make absolutely no mistake about it. Elkanah, in a way, here's the big statement. He welcomed the demonic into his life. I want to back that up for you. In the ESV version in verse 6, I don't know what translation you have this morning, but look at verse 6 in your Bible. And it says, on her rival, that's Penina, on her rival used to provoke her. Now the new King James, or sorry, the King James version says this in verse 6. On her adversary, her adversary provoked her. Elkanah, by opening his marriage the way he did, he welcomed into his home an adversary. It's a big statement, but that's what it says. And 1 Peter 5 says, be watchful, church. Your adversary, the devil. Your adversary, the devil. The same word used, the same Greek word used. The devil prowns around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, Christian, listen. I believe this message is for somebody, whether it's online, whether it's for this time next year, or for somebody in this room this morning, I don't know. And the reason I know is because I didn't want even to say some of them things. I didn't want to, want to even mention them. And I chose to be faithful to what I felt the Lord had revealed to me. But I believe this is a message that's relevant for the day in which we live. And it's simply this, that we be careful in these days of what you welcome into your life, into your home, and especially into your marriage. Today, it's quite clear that many are contemplating welcoming strange fire into their home. But understand something very important. When we, the people of God, step outside of God's will, in this sort of way, we welcome strange fires into our lives. And when we welcome strange fire into our life of whatever level that is, we need to understand that we're opening door to the adversary, to, to Satan himself, to demonic influence. Now listen, the enemy set before Elkanah strange fire as a snare, and it brought much heartache to his home, and especially to, to Hannah, his wife. Now, I want to say again, because we can leave this all the wrong way, Elkanah was God's man. He was a good man. He was influenced by the coldness of the world in which he lived. There was strange fire that began to warm his cold heart, and it led him down a path that brought much destruction. But God would still use this man and his family. As we will see, Elkanah's family would soon become a great blessing in Israel. And he will use you and I because, why? Even we can allow things into our life and we can make mistakes, but the Bible says that greater is he who is in me than him who is in this earth, in this world. So don't think that it's not a new thing what I'm preaching this morning, that the enemy seeks to destroy the church. That's right from the very beginning. In fact, in Genesis we can read about that. There's this tension of war. But what we see is in the man and woman of God, there will be snares set before you and I that will seek to destroy us with the biggest aim being to stop you functioning as a Christian. That's my point. Be careful of strange fires that are set before us. They're snares. So we're finishing now, and we're, we're actually nearly finished. So we've considered Elkanah's calling, the hills of Ephraim, place of no significance, called of God. 
That was his credentials. He was called of God, not his own greatness. We've considered his coldness. He was called of God as a priest, a place of privilege, of honor. But for some reason, he stopped functioning in that office. We've looked at Elkanah's strange fire. How with all that was going on around him, he allowed things into his life to try and fill a void. He failed to seek the Lord and to pray to fill that void. And this brought much hardship to his home. So church, can I remind you as we close now of your calling in these days? Because God has called you and I from the hills of Ephraim to declare the praises of Christ to this world. And, and, and don't leave here not knowing your purpose. He has chosen you to testify of his goodness. He's placed you as a light in this world to lead men into the very presence of God. Amen. He's called you out of darkness into this light. Don't forget your calling. Can I remind you of Elkanah's coldness? He failed to fulfill his role as a priest. What about you this morning? Are you functioning as a Christian today? Ask yourself that question. You get to change that today. You get to decide and discern for yourself. Am I or am I not? Am I caught up with him? Do I, do I burn after the things of God or is there other things that really grabbed a hold of me? Luke 12 says this now. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit, the Lord Jesus says, for your master's returning. Be ready. Keep your lamps lit. Be on fire for the things of God. Romans 12, 11, it's the ISV version. Listen to this. Never be lazy in showing devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful translation? Be on fire with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Amen.